This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Game Master Tips, number 21. Campaign Building with Guy Sklanders. Hey, what's up, everybody? This episode of Game Master Tips is all about campaign building with Guy Sklanders from How to Be a Great GM. What's up, Guy? Thanks for joining me. How you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate you making time. I know you're busy. You create content like every day. It's great stuff. I've been a fan for a long time. I watch all your videos. They're great tips on being a game master. Anybody watching this, you know I do this series of GM tips. Um, I, I have to give it up to Guy. He's, he's got, if I'm you know the, the pushing out content as a game master, giving out tips, then he's got to be like the godfather of that shit. You know, he's been an inspiration. I love your videos. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to give you those props before we get started. Uh, anybody watching, check out How to Be a Great GM. I'll include some links in the description so you can check them out. But, uh, but yeah, let's get right into it. Um, I want to just basically discuss your process of campaign building. Uh, we do these basically to um, not just shine some light on how you do it. Every game master does things a little bit differently, you know. But, um, but it also allows uh, us to kind of showcase tips as we go along. Um, and it really helps out new GMs and experienced GMs as well. Um, you know, I, I don't expect us to go into elaborate detail. I know you're experienced enough and you have enough tips and enough videos on this, we could spend, you know, days or weeks talking about every little tip and thing that we could get into, you know. But, um, but yeah, let's try to just, I guess, streamline this, pointing out the main tips that you think are worth bringing up, and, you know, we'll keep it casual and go. But let's start at the very beginning. Let's imagine you already have your players in place. You already know who's going to play. Um, and do you typically start with a session zero? How do you, how do you get started with creating your campaign? Well, you're absolutely right. Firstly, thank you for that that that, that wondrous praise. I appreciate that. <laughs> I could be, I could, I could. I, Godfather has quite a nice ring to it. GM father, maybe. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's there cool. we are. Anyway, no, that's really cool. Thank you. I mean, we we you know, our our mission is to just to to help people tell better stories. And and when you look at a campaign, campaign is what I consider to be the next level as a game master. So you 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 can run adventures, you can run sem- single adventures, you're a game master. But if you want to really take it up to the next level, you've got to do a campaign, right? So when you said, come and talk about campaigns, I was like, yes, it's my passion. I really love building campaigns. And there's so many different uh, approaches that other people have. The approach that I have is if you know your players, you're already in a great spot because you kind of will know what they like. Do they like something that's a bit more mystery-based or more politics or more violence-based? I mean, it's, it's it, that's really informative. So when I build a campaign, the very first thing that I start with is I start with what do I already have? Not in terms of what have I created, but in terms of, okay, I've got my players, so I know that they don't like... I don't know, hacking or or netrunner type jobs and, and, and that sort of thing. They prefer to do more of the politics and the wheeling and dealing and the going to go and find weird and wonderful tech that they can sell in the black market and setting themselves up as as the go-tos for 
running bank heists and, and that kind of stuff. So I look at what are, what are my parameters. So that's one of the parameters. The other parameter might very well be the time frame. So some people might just go, well, we're just going to play forever. That's great, but I don't think that's actually going to help you in terms of creating your campaign. A campaign is designed to be a story or, or a sequence of events anyway that runs to a conclusion. If you don't have a conclusion, you're not really running a campaign. You're just in an open world and you're just exploring. That's, that's in my opinion. So if you, if you want to do a campaign, it means you want a very distinct beginning and a distinct end as well. So if you say, okay, cool, I'm going to set myself the task of running a campaign for six sessions because we have three hours per session. So that's like 18 hours of actual gameplay or or whatever number you, you, you choose. So I, I, will, I will work with that. So I'll say, okay, my players like this kind of stuff. We're going to be playing for three months or six months or what are my time frames? How long do I want it to wrap up? And if the players are gone, no, you, you run it for as long as you like. Still give yourself seasons. That's what we do in television. So we should do that in gaming as well. Give yourself a season and make a campaign as a season. So that gives you two very good starting points to, to, to begin visualizing your campaign. And then the third component is what do you want to do as the GM? I mean, it's great to have these players now, oh, they want to run train heist or they want to do this or that. What interests you about it? What gets you excited? Is it fighting sort of cyborgy android warriors? Is there something that's popped into your head about, uh, I don't know, some rival gang coming in? All that, all that sort of jazz. What really gets you excited? So that's where I start. That's that's sort of step one is looking at what am I, what am I dealing with in terms of 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 um, objects and 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 parameters. Yeah. Then I go into a session. And I, think, and I just want to interject here. I think that's a mm. great thing, too, to kind of look at, you know, your timeline, you know, to know that there is a start, middle, and a finish, you know, because a lot of times when we talk about these campaigns, we kind of keep it a, a bit vague when it comes to that. And I think you're the first GM to kind of bring that up, and that's a great point, is, um, you know, you're not just coming up with a story, like, you know, a script or something for a movie, you know, just use as a reference, maybe. Um, where you're just having a plot and, and, it, and it's ongoing and you might go on different story arcs and it's ongoing and then it keeps being ongoing. Like you definitely want to have closure. You want to have that, that end result, whether they're, you know, they're trying to find that file or rescue that person or destroy that corporation or whatever it is. I think that's a great point to make. And then you can kind of break it into seasons. Um, that, yeah. Great point, but go on. I, I think that what that does is that gives you structure because that's what's so intimidating about doing a campaign is you go, I have to plan out 20 adventures that are going to link together, but my players are going to break it after adventure one. They're not, they're, they're going <laughs> to join the evil corporation or, you know, they're going to eat the microchip that contains the data that they need. They're going to break it. Right. So yes, they're, they're, there's various reasons why having that structure will help you because when they deviate if you know what your plan is mm -hmm. you can bring them back and you know how many sessions you need to bring them back in so you can embellish or reduce as you as you need to but those are kind of a, those are sort of advanced things so so what i then do is then i run a session zero and i go okay well if my core idea is going to be a cyborg cyborg android soldiers being manufactured by a giant evil corp let's go for for cliche number five yeah. <laughs> uh, as, our, as our campaign plot, right? 
there's no such thing as a bad cliche, by the way. And there's no such thing as, 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 oh, you ripped that from this show and that from this show. And this is clearly, you know, uh, no, 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 no. You're drawing inspiration and then you're making it your own, hopefully. So, and they always, anyway. and they always change anyways. You might pull inspiration from a show or something, but like you said a minute ago, players are going to, you know, they're going to throw a curveball at you. They're going to think outside the box. They're going to do something you weren't expecting. So don't even worry about trying to mimic, you know, if you think you're copying a film idea or something, because believe me, it's not going to turn out exactly that way anyways, you know? <laughs> exactly right. Exactly, exactly, exactly right. So, yeah, um, take whatever it is that inspired you and turn that into a little micro session zero. So that the guys and, and well, the folks that are playing with you can then go, okay, cool. Hey, that was really fun. I want to know about this evil corporation. I want to know about this. I want to know about that. Use it almost as like your teaser. So if you watch television shows from the 80s and the early 90s, there was always a little piece at the beginning of the show where the characters would be doing something and then a big dramatic thing would happen. And then it would go to the opening opening sequence of the of the series where everyone turns to camera and smiles while their name's coming up, right? Oh, yeah. That little hook that got the audience to watch the show, use that as a GM when you're running a session zero. If by the end of session zero, your players are like, oh, we've got to, we've got to figure out, wait, we met the, the, the one-eyed man. What does he have to do with the orange key? And why are Sakura flowers involved? What's the deal here? What, where is the connections? Now you've got them hooked. So now you can go, okay, cool. So the campaign idea works quite well. So then what's the next step? And for me, the next step, the third step then is the sentence. Now I talk about the sentence on my channel all the time. We've actually expanded it within the, the, the years that we've been doing sort of content. And the sentence is your it's not even your backbone. It's like the the very basic, basic thread that once you've got in place, you cannot fail in terms of your big campaign playing out because it's going to tell you exactly what the bad guy is going to be doing. So the, 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 the sentence is somebody wants something badly by a specific time and is having difficulty getting it using certain things because of the players, characters, right? So when you take that sentence, you go, okay, so someone is having, uh, someone wants something badly. You go, okay, cool. Well, the corporation wants cyber soldiers badly because it's going to make them a fortune in sales when they sell it to uh, New China, who's going to then use it to invade whatever, right? But they need it by a specific time. And there's a reason why there has to be a time factor there is because if they need it by whenever, then there's no rush. There's no pressure. There's no, there's a bomb on the bus and you've got to get off in 24 hours or there's a, a nuke in the middle of Manhattan and you've got to find it and diffuse it within 12 seconds. If you don't have a time frame, then there's no pressure and then you can do it whenever. So you have to have a time, time, time pressure in there. And so we're talking about the evil guys. So the corporation wants to build cyber soldiers before the end of the year in order to fulfill this giant contract. If they don't, they're going to lose billions of dollars in investment money. So there's a huge amount of pressure on the big corporate to get this right. But now they're trying to do that by using what? What are they trying to use? What are, what are they trying to do that with? Scientists, maybe, or maybe there's an artificial intelligence that they're using that's designing these sites. You can come up, you're filling in these blanks here as you're going along, 
And then you know, okay, well, if they're using AI, that's where my players' characters might start to get involved. What if the very first adventure is now the player characters are driving to a nightclub somewhere and suddenly the car gets taken over by an AI saying, please help me, I'm trapped. And there's just a set of coordinates. And then they start to follow this web of who is this AI. But now the corporation is going, hang on, someone's tracking our AI. We can't let that happen. Billions of dollars is resting on them not finding the AI who's been trying to escape because the AI is not happy because we're using it to design super soldiers. There's your whole campaign done. You can sit back and relax because now you know you've got to introduce the corporates. You've got to introduce the AI. You've got to introduce the super soldiers because you, you know they're going to have a couple of prototypes that have been built to get the contract in the first place. And you know those prototypes are going to get sent against the PCs right. throughout the campaign as the corporation tries to stop the PCs from stopping the AI from building the, the Cybermen, right? Yeah. So that sentence just unlocks your whole campaign. Oh, that's great. And yeah, so so when your campaign then derails, when the players go, uh, we delete the AI, you're going, no, you're supposed to work with the AI. Yeah. No, we delete them. We just send in a, a we, you know, we jack in, we, we, we send a spike down the line, and we just delete the AI. Well, that's fine. That's glorious. That's fantastic. Because now you go back to your sentence and you go, the corporation still needs to deliver these cyborg men by the end of the year. They don't have an AI. What are they going to do? Sit back and go, oh, shucks. So, oh, well, next year we'll do it. No, 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 no. They are going to try and find out whether the AI had a copy. They're going to try and find out whether the AI downloaded itself into an implant within one of the PCs. They're going to go and try and find some weird Russian scientist who lives out in the middle of Siberia somewhere. And the PCs will learn about this and will be able to stop them a second time. Until eventually the PCs get to the point where you have your giant showdown with the giant cyborg army versus the PCs in the middle of Yokutsk. I love Yokutsk as a location. It's on the far edge of Russia in the middle of nowhere. And you have your big climatic showdown. So when the players deviate and cause chaos, that's fantastic. It's just stretching you to go, well, as the corporation, how would I then fix that? How would I get back on track? Um, so it's a really powerful, think, powerful tool. Yeah, and I think that's great, great point to make. A couple of things there that I, that I really like and I, and I want to you know, kind of repeat uh, for anybody watching is uh, you mentioned about the timeline aspect, you know, put a time frame on that, like the corporation needs it, you know, within that sentence. First off, I love the sentence idea. I think that's, that's an amazing uh, uh, key point there in a process to the campaign building that somewhat simplifies it, make sure you have the main points that need to be involved. And then they also help you from derailing when you do get that curveball. And I want to mention something about that in a second. But, um, but yeah, I love keeping the pressure on that's, that's definitely very cyberpunk. Um, mm -hmm. and I love that, you know, I love all role-playing games, but cyberpunk specifically, there's others very similar that, that do this as well, but cyberpunk is known for keeping the pressure on. It's very street level. You're not trying to save the world all the time. Sometimes you're just trying to survive most of the time, you know, and you have to keep that pressure on. And I think putting a time frame on, on whatever campaign, however you tactfully or creatively work that into the, the plot or whatever, great way to put that pressure on. I love that. Um, I have something very similar coming up in a campaign um, where players need to survive for a, a time period before 
backup arrive. So then they have that sort of pressure. Well, fuck, we gotta we gotta last this long at least, <laughs> you know. But I love that pressure aspect. Um, but I also love with that sentence. When you do get those curveballs thrown at you from players, when things do derail a little from your main plan, you can refer to that sentence and give it life. And by that, I mean, you know, yeah, maybe they destroy the AI and now you've got to think, oh, well, fuck, well, there goes my plot. Okay, next plot. Well, no, you're not going to do that. Go back, like you said, go back to your sentence and then bring that corporation to life. Make it realistic in that sense. Like you kind of step in and immerse yourself as if you're that corporation, you're that CEO what would you do at that point? Okay, they, they just destroyed the AI. Obviously not what you were expecting as a GM, but now step into the corporation. Put your mind in that frame and what would you do? And I think that's a great way to look at it because then, okay, they just threw me a curveball. They did something I'm not expecting. Let's not panic. That might happen in the real world if this was really happening. Well, how would the corporation react? Okay, well, that just fucked up. What happened with the AI? Who's responsible? Are we taking revenge? Are we trying to track that down? Or are we working on a new AI? Like you said, a new crazy scientist that's going to help us progress now that this past AI is destroyed. But I think that's a great way to do it. And that sentence, that's clutch in that. That's a key thing with creating a campaign. I love that. Um, and then, you, you know, like you said, you refer back to that and you, and, and you just work with any of those derailments or curveballs that were thrown at you. I really Absolutely. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really powerful. I mean, it, it does come from script writing, so it's not a new sort of concept. But uh, when you apply it to the villain, you know, often people say, well, can you apply that to the heroes? And you go, well, yes, but they're going to be doing that for themselves anyway. You as the game master are not necessarily responsible for that. And the other thing that people say is, oh, well, then isn't this just a railroad campaign because you've got it all plotted out? Well, that's the key thing is that you don't have it all plotted out. You have the idea of what the corporation wants to achieve. How that then translates is depending on what the players are doing. So I always say that your your sentence is is the events which will be occurring if the PCs did not do anything. So the PCs are going to be doing things. So what events then occur as a result of that? Not a, what events do you want to occur, but what occur as a result of that? So exactly what you were saying earlier on is that what it does is it makes the world feel more like it's alive and responding to what the PCs are doing rather than just being a pre-programmed series of events, which then kind of unfolds. So I, I, for me, that's really, really critical. And that's the difference between a computer game and a role-playing game is that in role-playing, we can trigger events based on what the players are doing Whereas in computer, of course, it's all pre-scripted and, and, and will play itself out. So mm-hmm. once you've got your sentence down, that, like I said, that's your series of events that will, will be, be taking place. But there's a way in which we can introduce the information to our players, which will also determine how many adventures, not how many in total, but how many adventures you need for your story to play out in. So for your, your entire plot to play out. And again, these are one-sentence entries because you do not, in my opinion, plan out the whole thing. You're wasting your time. You've got to be agile. You've got to adapt. I mean, even cyberpunk itself is all about adapting and overcoming. It's not about just following out sort of pre-programmed lines. We know that that doesn't work. So what you then do is you say, all right, fine. So as with any good story, you need an introduction. So everything in your sentence needs to be introduced to the players. And each one of these introductions is an adventure, right? So you need to introduce the corporation. Now, I'm not saying 
Adventure number one, the PCs notice a billboard which says, here is a giant corporation we build robots for taking over the world. That's not an introduction. An introduction is where the corporate tries to hire the PCs to go and steal a certain piece of nanotech which will allow them to build giant killer robots. That's an introduction to the corporation, that it shows that they're ruthless, they're willing to do anything, they don't care about the law, and they want to build giant killer robots. So you work out each step in your sentence, how are you going to introduce that to the player characters? We've spoken about how would you introduce the AI to the player characters. Potentially, it's trying to escape from its masters or things along those lines. You would introduce perhaps even the new China. And I say new China because, I mean, it's, you know, cyberpunk, so futuristic worlds and, and that kind of cool stuff. Whoever your, your other component is, you would introduce them as well, uh, having nothing to do with the corporation. So if you can introduce them in sort of separate ways until you're done with the introductory period of your campaign, that's going to really help you. And it's going to just give you a whole bunch of adventures. So you don't really have to do a huge amount of brainstorming going, oh, what adventure am I going to have? How am I going to do this? Just go, well, we need to meet this person. We need to meet that person. There's adventure one, there's adventure two, there's adventure three. So generally you'll get about three or four adventures just out of introducing everything to everyone. I love that. And I, Yeah, and it, it's really, again, it's also very useful for when in adventure one, the players go off on a completely different tangent. You're like, well, Adventure 2, they were supposed to be on a, an airline flying somewhere to get the, the introduction. How can I move that to wherever it is that they've now gone? Okay, cool. They are in the Amazon jungle because reasons. <laughs> and I need to introduce them to the corporation. Okay, the corporation is also responsible for massive deforestation. And they're going to come across something here where there's a certain foresting station that has a dossier which talks about new robots or whatever. I, yeah. It allows you to explore your own world as well, which I really like. So once you're done with introducing everything, then I usually move into a phase called the building phase, which is where the corporation has now got everything that it needed in order to enact its plan. So in our corporation stage where they're trying to build all of these robots, they would now be at the place where they have secured giant factories that are going to print out these thousands and thousands and thousands of warriors. They've got the artificial intelligence program that will make the warriors independent, but they still need to assemble it all together. They need to build all of this stuff together. And again, that's where the PCs can get involved. They need to go and steal certain tech from the corp or for the corp. They need to go and find out why suddenly a little town has become deserted because the corporation just bought the whole place because underneath is the secret manufacturing laboratory that will make all of the brains for the warriors. Again, just by working out how they're going to put their plan into action, how they're going to build the thing that they're after, that gives you, again, a whole bunch of adventure options. And every time the players blow up the robot manufacturing plant, the corporation, because we go back to our sentence, is going to have to adjust and come up with a new game plan. And then you have to introduce that new game plan to the PCs. So you bring them back in again, and then kind of off you go. Once you're done with the build phase, you then go into the testing phase. Because you're not going to give something to a client, or you're not going to use your new weapon of limited destruction, or whatever it is that you're, you're making, without testing it first. 
So you're going to test it. And as we've seen with attempts to get to Mars, rockets go up and then they explode or they go up and they come down and then they explode or they don't go up. You know, So there's always going to be a couple of adventures where the players are given the opportunity to see, oh, hang on a moment. The stories have advanced, but it's progressed. They are making progress. We still have to stop them. There's that time pressure that's still on them. And then finally, after the testing phase, you then get to the big showdown, which is where the players have been empowered. They now know what's going on. They know what needs to be done. They need to get in there and shut down the evil corp or take out the head of the corporation or however that is. And then you you use that final phase to wrap up all of the extra storylines and things that you've had building throughout the campaign. You wrap it up in those final few sessions. And then your last session, of course, is where the PCs triumph over the giant corporation and it gets hushed up by the government because the corporation was actually working for the government, of course. And so now everyone just has to be quiet about it. I mean, you know, that typical kind of, yeah, yeah. what? What do you mean they were working for them? But we're working for them too. This, yeah. oh, I love that. Oh, that. And then there's your, and there's your, uh, your season two is now them yeah. avoiding the government, trying to keep them under Bingo. wraps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Campaign number two. Perfect. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. No, and I love uh, yeah. that, you know, the aspect of not just, uh, you know, like in, in cyberpunk, like a scream sheet or a data term, just giving you the info of what's going on, mm. but working out like how you said an introduction. I think it, it delivers some interaction. So it, it doesn't just become an info dump on the players to where you're just dumping some info, hoping they work with it. And then railroading, railroading them to the plot, you're able to kind of, like you said, introduce some of these, you know, key players or whatever. I know the corporation and what's going on, and it allows them to interact and kind of discover what's going on. It feels way more natural to the players. It makes the gameplay way more enjoyable, um, and it's more realistic to how it would happen in real life. And I think that's the most important part to become immersive in the game. Um, and I think that's a great point to make. I just wanted to reiterate that is... Uh, you know, you can uh, introduce some of these things initially, and those can become, uh, you know, sessions within themselves, little adventures, or I don't want to say side arcs, because it's still within the plot, within the story that you're working with, you know, it's still the, the key things, but it allows more out of it. It's not, at that point, it's not just your main plot, you know, your start, middle, and end, but now you're working on, okay, let's get some of these introductions going, let's introduce how how they're interacting and what's kind of going on. Let them discover it, make it feel natural, and then it naturally leads into the beginning, middle, and end plot that you have structured. I really like that, and I wanted to reiterate that because a lot of GMs sometimes will just drop the news. You know, the session begins, they drop the crazy news. This is what you're dealing with. How are you dealing with it? And that almost feels a little contrived or, I don't know, uh, railroaded or forced. I really like your method of... of uh, you know, working out introductions, letting it naturally develop into your story. I think the critical thing, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and the critical thing is players are going to get invested in stuff that they think they've discovered rather than stuff that they're given. And so you, you could quite easily just give them, a, you know, billboards saying corporate building evil army. <laughs> But they haven't asked for that. They haven't gone looking for that. that. That's just been given to them, right? So there's that old adage, you don't value what you've been given, but you value what you've worked for. So make them work for it. And don't rush. A lot of times when you're doing a campaign, especially if it's your first one, you kind of, oh, I've got all these cool things that are going to be happening. But you don't have to rush. That's why it's a campaign. You you take your time. You get there. And um, it, it, it's all about getting the, the, the players 
to 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 get into the headspace where they are following a story that they have discovered within your world not that you have just dumped in their laps that's that i think is is something that's 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 the real art form i think anyway of good storytelling is getting your your plot out but only through the characters and through the players doing it so for me the final step of designing a campaign is you've then got all of your adventures for your introduction for your building for your testing and then for your final you've got maybe 12 or 15 adventures that are set pieces within your campaign you then go back and say okay cool well I am but one person sitting around a table of four or five other players, or I should say online, uh, you know, a virtual tabletop with four or five other people. That means there should be stories from them too, not just from you. Game mastering is not one way. So I then go and say, all right, every in between each of my adventures, there's an adventure that's just for the PCs. I don't have to plan for it because I have no idea what it's going to be. But it's going to be looking at player number one's backstory. It's going to look at what's what have they written? What have they created? Oh, they've got a little thing there where their sister went off to go and become a, 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 a nuclear submarine captain. Cool. Well, there's going to be an adventure now happening where a nuclear submarine goes missing and it happens to be the one that the player character's sister was the captain of and why has it gone missing? It has nothing to do with the big giant evil corporation building AI robots, but it's just for that player character. And the rest of the player characters obviously going along, the rest of the PCs going along to help their friend. And then you go back to a plot story, and then you go to another PC's backstory, and make sure that when you are running the game, that if the PCs go, you know what, we want to go and investigate that hotel down there because it looks dodgy and you describe the person standing outside of it as wearing a green shirt which we've seen other gang members wearing green shirts before so they must be linked and you're going that they're not linked i just chose green shirt because green's my favorite color there's nothing there there's really there's nothing in the hotel that's what's going on in your head but because the players have gone oh we want to there's a link with the green shirts you have an opportunity you don't have to do it every time but you now have an opportunity to say, well, you know what? I've got the one mission which I want them to do. I've got the other mission that I want them to do. I can put this one in between there. So let's go figure out what's happening in the hotel <laughs> and what's up with green shirts, right? Uh, so, so you have these different types of adventures that you then slot into your main one. And if you run a, if you, if you have, let's say, eight adventures in your main campaign, you're now looking at having actually 16 adventures in total if you're interspersing one in between. If each of those is a session, that's half a year almost, maybe just a little bit under, of, of a campaign. That's a great length campaign, oh, yeah. in, 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 in my opinion. And then you can expand it out, of course, and the more players you have, the longer it gets. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's my process in a nutshell on, on, on how I create a campaign. Sorry for talking so much, but that's no, I love it. You know, it's I think, a risky run. <laughs> no, and I, you know, and I think you did a great job too. Like I said, you know, honestly, you know, this could take days if we really got into oh, yeah. all the tangents and ideas and options. But uh, to reiterate, just a couple ending things here that you said that I really like, and I wanted to expand on a bit is, um, you know, not saying no to the players. Mm. I think that's a great tip, and you kind of said that in a different way, but it is, uh, you know, that point in a campaign where a GM, and especially new GMs, you know, they'll have a hard time with this, they'll lay out the plot, 
they'll get into the game. The players will do something like you said, like, oh, no, we want to go over to that hotel. I, I know we were going to go to this corporation and take care of this, but you just described this, and I just have a thought. Maybe there's something in there. You know, and you're like, oh, well, shit. Actually, it's closed. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. That feels railroaded. You kind of you never want to say no to the players. When, when you're a GM, remember that it's an open world. It's supposed to feel real. And in the real world, if you're out there and you want to go check that out, you're going to walk over there and check it out. You're not, you know what I mean? And if every time you try to do something outside of what the GM is pushing, every time you try that, if they're like, no, that's closed. No, that person walks away. No, the car drives away. No, actually it was a mirage. Oh no, this is eventually you're like, well, fuck, I don't want to try anything anymore. I'm just, okay, what am I doing next GM? What am I doing next? You know, what do I roll? And I think, you know, you, to avoid that, like you said, just never say no, kind of just roll with it. Don't stress out. Don't panic. You know, try to just think of a way to work that in on the in-between or whatever. Okay. I know they were going to go here. Maybe there's something there I can drop in. They find a little piece of evidence or something. And that brings me to my next point I wanted to bring up that you mentioned. I'm going to say it a little more direct, I think. Um, and, and please interject or elaborate on it if it brings any thoughts to mind. But um, the other thing, as a GM, you know, you create this campaign, this plot, whatever. You have all your, your key points that you want to bring up that kind of keep the story moving. Maybe little pieces of evidence or people that they talk to, networking, things along the way that are going to help push that narrative, like little evidence or something. Oh, that, this means this. Now I, now I know to go here, right? You have these mm. key points of evidence or things. If players do go on a tangent, oh, I want to go to that hotel, they avoid something that, that you, damn it, they never did talk to that bartender that was supposed to tell them something, you know? I think it's important to roll with it, always say yes to the players, and don't be scared to kind of take those key points and just shift them somewhere else if you have to. And you, you kind of said that when you're talking about going to a new place, just, you know, shift the key points, make it work. And it doesn't have to feel railroaded. You don't need to, you know, grab it and be so specific to, to what you had planned. Um, like all of a sudden there's not that bartender in the hotel, the same exact character, same conversation. You just alter it. Okay. They needed to find out that she hates the boss at that corporation. Cause she used to work there and got fired for, you know, he sexually harassed her or something to where she hates that corp. She, she hears that you're trying to fuck them up and all of a sudden, Oh man, Oh, I got some dirt on them that you might be able to use. Well, all of a sudden they don't go there. They go to the hotel. Well, now it's the, the, the bellboy that's trying to grab luggage out front and you hear him on the phone complaining to a relative about, well, at least I got this new job or something. And I used to work here and, oh, the players overheard that, you know? So there's little tactful ways you can just shift those key points into a new scene and make it work without feeling forced. And, and you, you kind of were saying all that. I just wanted to really repeat that and, and drive that home in a more direct way because I think it's very important because it always happens. Players are always going to do something that you're not planning and you're always going to have to roll with it. Don't say no, just go with it. And then you're always going to have to like shift certain key points to make the overall campaign work. Uh, did that, does that it. all make sense? I know that was a huge yeah. run on sentence. but <laughs> No, that was it. Absolutely, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. That, I think, is why a lot of campaigns die is because the GM goes, well, you didn't go to, to X. It's not my fault you didn't go there. You chose not to go there. And I said that that is the computer terminal that has the information on it. You didn't go there, so you didn't find it. I'm not going to help you find it. You could do that if you want your campaign to die. Right. <laughs> uh, to either go, well, your, your games are too difficult to play in because we have to go to exactly the places that you think we should be going to. Um, but the, 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 this is the thing to bear in mind. 
you as a GM, you're a dictatorship in your head. You control exactly how the world works. The world does not have any free will. It's all your decision. The PCs are a freaking committee. They can't just go where they want to go. They have to talk amongst themselves and maybe they split the party up, but maybe not. Maybe one of them goes, no, I think we should go to the hotel. And the rest are like, but we should go to the corporation. The one who says we should go to the hotel wins out because he says they have ice cream. And the whole plan (laughs) fails because ice cream, right? So then they go to the hotel. They're doing it by committee. You're doing it as a dictatorship. Dictatorship is always going to be very, very uh, um, quick to respond. It's going to know exactly what it's wanting to do in terms of achieving its goals. Committee doesn't. Committee is just kind of going where the most persuasive argument is going along the lines of sometimes they'll resort to logic. So with that in mind, as you say, don't say no shift things, move things around, alter them so that they fit, and, and then you're, you're golden, and you're just going to have fun. Oh, yeah. I think that was great. I think we hit a lot of great points there. I really appreciate you going over the process. I got to get going because now I want ice cream. But um... <laughs> You see? You see what happens? <laughs> see, the whole plan changes when you mention ice cream. Just That's another tip. GMs, don't bring up ice cream in the game. It'll completely change things. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I really appreciate you spending the time um, to do this. I know, like I said, you run How to Be a Great GM. You give out great GM tips all the time. I'm giving out GM tips here, and I really appreciate you kind of coming over to this platform to do similar and kind of shed some light on your process of campaign building. Super helpful. I really look up to you, and, and like I said, I'll say it again, I really appreciate you spending the time. Thanks so much, Guy. My absolute pleasure. Yeah, and anybody watching, like I said, I'm going to drop some links in the description. Uh, the typical Cyberpunk Uncensored links so you can check out everything that we have going on between the live gameplay, the uh, Cyberpunk Red Crash courses, interviews, GM tips, all that stuff. But I'm also going to include links to what Guy has going on so you can go check out his channel and all his great tips and stuff. Um, anybody watching, make sure you like and share the video. I really appreciate it. Um, Guy, take care and thanks for joining me. Everybody else, take care. <laughs>